Good morning. I'm going to put my hat right there. Is that okay? Does anybody know what yesterday was? It was opening day of fishing season in Connecticut. Absolutely. Um, and uh, last week we started, it was just a two-week series. We called it I Love Fishing. And if you've been around very long, you know that that's true about me, you know, and uh, how it relates to our spiritual realm. Oh, did somebody... Did somebody lose their ticket? Someone found it on the floor a little while ago. Anybody lose their ticket? That ticket may be worth, at the end of the service, a $100 gift certificate to Cabela's. So if you lost your ticket, I might be the one who wins, you know? Anybody lose their ticket? You're not going to tell me, all right? Okay. Did everybody get a ticket? Raise your hand if you didn't get a ticket. Seriously. All right, I was just going to grab you. All right, we'll do a little drawing at the end of the service. And if this Cabela's card doesn't fit you, you can give it to me because it fits. All right. Uh, would like to just make mention about the uh, what on earth am I here for that we kick off next week. And uh, that is something that goes in our heart. Everybody has felt that. It's like, what am I here for? I mean, what is my purpose and all? So we're going to begin talking about that, and we really encourage you. Everyone, if you're not in a life group right now, to get plugged into a life group. All you do is just talk to the folks at the connections desk, and they'll get you plugged in. And we still need a few facilitators. If you would facilitate that life group, you know, uh, you meet once a week. You have a little video. You just put play, and we'll be asking a question or two, and you can shut me up, and you can hit pause. Then you all discuss that, and then you go to the next one. You have some cookies and some coffee and things like that. You have a devotional book that's good for the seven weeks that you'll be reading a devotion that goes along with what we're teaching, what we're discussing in life groups, we'll be dealing with in our youth ministry. It's really going to be an awesome, awesome, life-changing experience. And if God has told you, thou shalt not go to life group, then you shouldn't. But if he hadn't told you that, you should be in a life group, okay? All right. Uh, let me see. Is there anything else I need to announce? Oh, yeah. Uh, there are free tracks. And you know what? Uh, at our drawing, we have some spiritual tackle boxes. And the only way you can get one of these in the drawing at the end of the service, okay? And it's just got a whole bunch of gospel tracts in there. But there are a bunch of tracts that are free. All of the tracts are free. At the Connections Desk and any service uh, that we've ever taught, all of those are free. You can get as many as you want, and you can take those and give them away because it's an awesome track. It's like a 45-minute track. You know, the uh, Easter service, the resurrection with our zapping light and all that kinds of stuff that was kind of fun to play with. All those are free, so you can take those and you can give those away and uh, sharing the gospel with people. Okay, I think that's pretty much it here. Uh, oh, so I was going to share a, a secret with you. Um, and uh, we're going to do a spinning uh, rod secret today. If, if you are a fisherman, a young fisherman, or you want to learn how to go fishing, um, this right here's got about 10 pound test on it. It's caught many, 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 many fish, put a lot of fish in the ministry, you know. Uh, and this is a little black worm. It's got some speckles in it. I always have a very sharp hook. And this is a practical fishing tip for you fishermen who came today. And you know what? Always know where you're casting your line. Watch out for the hook, okay, as it comes by. Oh, I almost hit my mom. She's visiting with us. I did cut the, the tip of the hook off, and I bent it down. Whoa, all right, I got one. Oh, man, he spit it out. Okay. You know, I'm into catch and release right now, so <laughs> we catch it, we won't mount you, and we won't cook you or nothing. But as far as using a spinning rod, the tip for real fishermen, if you use, you know, if I had to produce fish for my family and, and for you, Beyond, outside the fly rod, this right here, a uh, uh, similar bait to this is what I would use. A little black worm with some speckles in it. And I can't even find the ones that we used to have. I have not looked all over the United States for them, and I have to make my own now. But what you do if you want to catch a fish, and you get a rubber worm about this size, you, and there's thousands, I've got the suitcase size tackle boxes with everything in the world. But all you got to do is cast it out into the water, and I don't put weight on it unless I'm in really deep water. And it just does like this on its way down. 
and a bass will usually hit it about the time it gets to the bottom. Bam. You know? And if you're just in the catch and release, well, then as soon as he hits it, a bass will never swallow it at that moment. He'll run, you know, a little ways to get away from the other fish that's trying to get it away from him, and then he'll stop and turn around and always swallows it head first. And if you're going to take him home with you, let him run a little bit. And then it's down here, and it'll never come out, you know. But if you're catching release, as soon as he hits it, bam, you set the hook, you know, really hard back, and then you fight him back in. And uh, let's just say he doesn't hit it on the way down, and it might take you three or four minutes, and you just reel him, drag it across the bottom of the, the pond or the lake. You drag it across. My uncle who taught me this rarely ever could get that worm back into shore, rarely, without having a fish on it. And it's in the water, it's fishing. And once in a while, you do a little jerk, you jerk it up a couple feet off the bottom, and it goes back down, jerk it up, and it goes back down, jerk it up, and it goes back down. But that's where the big fish are at. They're on the bottom, okay? So this is just a little secret that I've learned over the years. And uh, maybe I'll put a sharp hook on there in a few moments and try again out there so I can catch somebody. And, uh, you know, I, I make a lot of my own flies and things now. And uh, in the, the fly realm, all the ones in here I, I made... Uh, if, if you're having a problem catching a fish in the fly realm, a Griffith gnat will always produce fish when nothing else is. There's nothing hatching. And a lot of people don't know this. I've been studying entomology, which is the study of bugs. You know, all the little bugs that live on the, the bottom. You know mosquitoes come from the water? You know that. And, and so, dragonflies, everything comes from the water. It's little nymphs. 90% of what a fish eats is a nymph. The dry flies, that's only 10% of what he eats. A lot of guys are sitting there waiting for a hatch, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then they can fish a dry fly. And you'll see the flies coming up off the water, and the fish will ripple in here and here and here. You cast right above it, the fly floats down, boom, they got it. But those are rare occasions in the morning and the evening, but fish are always eating nymphs. And there comes a time in a, a little nymph's life where he gets this little gas begins to start in, inside of his system, and he floats, and they're, they're tiny ones, and they're big ones, and he floats to the surface, and he gets hung on the surface film, and, and, and fish will come up and it'll sip them down there, and they eat it a different way than when there's a dry fly on the surface, and they'll just sip them down, sip them down. But if you give them a, a few moments, that thing will come to the surface, pop open, he'll spread his wings on the surface as he's floating down, and the fish will eat it. But if you want to produce fish, learn to use a nymph. That's another secret along the line of... Uh, Fly fishing, and, and don't forget, a Griffith gnat is an awesome lure, simple to tie and simple to make, and it will always produce fish, always will produce fish. So that's our little uh, fishing tip for the day. Um, you know, research has shown that of the 10 people who visit a church and they stay, nine were brought by a friend. Think about that for a moment. How many of you first went to a church here or somewhere else because a friend invited you or brought you? Raise your hand. All over the place. It's amazing. How many of you have invited, whether they came or not, but you invited or you brought a friend to church? Raise your hand. Whoa! That's every hand in the place. That's absolutely amazing. That's why we have three services now, because you've been inviting people. And next week is an awesome time to invite them. They will thank you for the rest of their life, you know, as we're studying together. What on earth am I here for to find our purpose? So uh, friends bringing friends to Christ, friends bringing friends to a good Bible teaching church, that's just so paramount. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. In verse 17, Jesus had said, he says, Follow me, and I'll give you a better life. Follow me, and, and, and I'll work things out in your marriage. Follow me, and you'll become a leader. Follow me, and you'll become wiser. Follow me, you'll become wealthy and healthy, right? No, that's not what he said. He'll do a lot of those things. Follow me and I'll answer your prayer. He'll do a lot of those things, but what does he say? Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become something you were not before. I will make you become 
fishers of men. No matter what your occupation, if you're a doctor, you stay a doctor, but he wants to make you a fisher of men. Whatever your occupation is, Jesus says, if you follow me closely, because he's always reaching men, women, boys, and girls, says, if you follow me closely, I, Jesus, I will make you become fishers of men. And understanding something about fishing is pretty important, as far as I'm concerned, to being a fisher of men, because you understand how to catch fish, you can understand even better how to catch men. Now, I'm going to show you a couple of pictures real quick. Uh, we have some of those pictures, guys, up there. Well, now, this is a picture uh, years ago. That's my brother in the boat. I'm taking the picture, and I don't know if you see the snake that I killed with the BB gun. It's laying on the ground over here. Do you see the snake? Let me tell you, when you become a fisherman, there are inherent dangers out there, okay? And the enemy of our soul would do his best to stop us. Now, that picture, I believe that God allowed that to happen. He, that snake came into the boat with us. I had a little BB gun, and, and I, I didn't have it cocked, and I hit, hit him with the barrel of the gun, knocked him into the water, got it cocked up. You know, then he came to the surface, and I was able to put a BB in his head. And I have shown that picture tens of thousands of times to people because it's bait is what it is. I asked people, hey, do, do, do you like fishing? And I, well, I'm not really much. Well, let me show you a picture of what happened when I went fishing. And I've shown the picture. Those pictures have been in my notebook forever. Honestly, most of you who've been up here to talk to me, I've showed them to you. But what happened is I tell people, say, you know how David killed Goliath with a slingshot? I killed a giant snake with a BB gun. I'm in the same league with David, you know? But what it did, it won a friendship, and I'm able to share the gospel. So you can use anything to share the gospel with. There are a couple of pictures of fish on here, though. There's a, this, now wait, go back to the, uh, this is the bait that we're using to go fishing that day. I'm teasing, that was the fish, all right. That was a striper. That's a little catfish there. You're just going through those. That was me catching that one I said was the bait, you know, all right. That's a little trout I caught. I caught a huge one after that, but we didn't have a camera with us. Anyhow, go ahead. That's a steelhead caught up in plastic. You see the, the little white patch above the fish's head? That's a little, you see those, those are little nymphs. That's what I caught him. I was telling you about nymphs. I caught him on those nymphs there. All right, that might be all. Oh, that's a, that's a long time ago. That's a 52-pound catfish, you know. I thought I had a world record. <laughs> I really did, and we investigated. That was 52 pounds, a world record of the lake in the Santee Cooper. That year was 109 pounds. <laughs> Yes. That may, okay, that's a snake again. All right, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, okay, well, we got lots of other pictures. I just couldn't get them all downloaded into you in time. But what I'm telling you, it's a good thing to understand how to fish if you're going to be a fisher of men. And it's really important. Over the years, I have invested substantial amount of time and energy and money. And, and I would say hundreds of dollars. Okay, no. To be honest with you, it would be thousands, for real, in my life of preparing to catch fish. So if, if I, my mom's been visiting in the last few days, she has, oh, I forgot my, I forgot something. Oh, don't go away. I'll be right back. Okay, this is a, this is my vest. You know, ah, and, uh, but my mom and Susan have seen me laying in on the, the dining uh, the living room floor. I tie a lot of my flies, and if I don't tie them, I know where to go to get them dirt cheap if I'm going to buy them, okay? And I've got thousands of flies in here. Uh, let me see here. You know, and, and this, this is hard to imagine, these little teeny tiny things right here. I've got one right here, and actually you can't see it from from where you're at, it's called a midge. And it would take about five to 10 of these little midges, the little ones over here, you gotta be careful you don't inhale them, to make a mosquito. And you go, well, why, why would you use that? You can catch a great big old fish on a midge. You know, no way. And then you think about you. 
Are, are you ever in your house and you're eating popcorn? Just a little piece. And you finish a great big bowl. Well, that's what a midge is to a trout. It's like, he's got to eat a thousand of them, but he eats them when there's nothing else out there that's active at that moment. But, but my, my point was this. I, I've got tons of flies in here that I've made and that I've, I've bought up years and all these different fly rods that are down in the bottom of the boat. I've invested time, energy, and the truth of it is a few thousand dollars. I mean, the canoe that's probably 25 years old, that was like $1,200 back then. And, and I've got bags of flies in that room and more boxes of flies at home. Any questions? Oh. Uh, see, when, well, I'll ask the question. My mom asked it a couple of days ago, a lady in the service last night. We had an awesome time last night. But she said, Pastor Ron, why do you have so many flies? And see, trout are picky eaters. And, and, and when you get out in the water and you stir up some rocks and turn them over and you got a net down here, a little sand, you catch them, like, oh, look at those little tiny things. If you will fish with the little tiny things you find in your net, you will catch fish, lots and lots of fish. And that's why you need to understand fish. When other people are sitting on the shore there, nothing's hatching, waiting for a hatch to hopefully happen, you're out there, you've already checked, and you see that the stoneflies are hatching or these little red midges are, 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 are on the bottom or whatever it might be, you know, crane flies, whatever it might be, you find out what it is. You are fishing day and night, day and night. Some of the biggest fish I caught, a trout even, believe it or not, is at 12 o'clock at night on a fly rod. See, you understand the fish you're after. And with the flies, I know what they're feeding on, and I match that, and you catch fish. So if I'm willing to invest all this time tying flies and getting all my gear together, all this energy and the dollars that I invest to catch a fish, how much more should I invest time, energy, and dollars to fish for men? Think about it for a moment. How much time and energy do we invest? Do you take a course in entomology and study, you know, bugs to catch a fish? Do you take a course in human relations to figure out what's going on in people's minds, find out how to meet their needs to lead them to Christ? Jesus said, and it goes with the territory, he says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. We want to spiritualize it. Well, follow me and I'll make you spiritual. Follow me and I'll make you more. No, no. He said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. There is no greater value in the whole planet of investing your time, energy, and money for than winning boys and girls, men and women, to the kingdom. You know that we are the sole uh, supporters of about 325, 30 children in Ethiopia right now. We've got two churches in Ethiopia right now, Faith Living Churches, and they are touching people's lives. In an amazing way. They're hearing the gospel in that area. Is that worth the investment that we make? Absolutely. Because there ain't nothing more important than getting somebody to heaven. It really isn't. Anyhow, First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, I urge you, <clears throat> first of all, to pray for all people. And in a time when we're getting ready to make some elections in the, in the near future, <clears throat> it says, I urge you to, first of all, Pray for all people as you make your request. Plead for God's mercy upon them. You, you know what's important before you're praying for, for God's mercy to come on other people? You know what's the most important thing? Have you received his mercy for yourself? You know what? When you fly on an airplane, they go, you know, in the event of an emergency and we lose cabin pressure, please, oxygen masses will come down from the ceiling and please do what? Put your own on yourself first before you try to help your kids or people beside you because if you don't get oxygen yourself you're going to pass out trying to help them right so you need to be a recipient of the mercy and the grace of god if you want to try to <clears throat> help other people so he says here i urge you first of all to pray for all people as you make your request plead for god's mercy upon them and give thanks Pray this way for kings 
and for all others who are in authority so that we can live in peace and quietness. And there is no peace unless there is the Prince of Peace. And, you know, once we have peace with God, then we can have the peace of God. And he says, pray this way for kings and all others who are in authority so that we can live in peace and quietness and godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our... Y'all have that verse? What's that last word? Savior. What does a Savior do? He saves. As you're praying for people... You're addressing our God, the Almighty, our Savior. He wants to save. He wants to rescue. Dawson Trotman died in Shroon Lake up in New York. You know, a very famous man, very great, you know, godly man. Won tons of people to Christ. But he died of all things in the midst of an area that he was an expert. He drowned. He was an expert swimmer. And the last few moments that he had in the water, he lifted one girl out of the water. They had capsized the boat. Two girls went down. He went in after them. He lifted one girl out of the water, and then he went down and got the other girl and lifted her out of the water. And then he submerged and was not found again until the dragnets found him a few hours later. A man named Larson was on the boat when Trotman died. And he said the entire United States Navy couldn't have saved Trotman that day. It was just God's time. Time Magazine ran an article on Trotman's life the next week, and they put a caption beneath his name, and it read, Always holding somebody up. Does that describe us? Are we always holding people up with our prayers? Are we holding them up to God? Are, are we rescuing them? Are we always lifting them up until they come to know Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior? In one sentence, that was Trotman's life. Always holding somebody up. His investment in people of holding them up was amazing. My question to you, who are you holding up? Are you praying for them? Or you invest in your time, your energy, and, and money. You know, if, I'll guarantee if you invite somebody, listen, I'm going to take you out to an awesome lunch if you go to church with me. Anywhere you want to go. <laughs> you think people would come? That's fishing. <laughs> That's fishing. And let me tell you something. If you're going to take a day off to go fishing, you get the best bait you can find. You don't cut corners and get just cheap bait. <clears throat> you get the best you can find. Invest your time, energy, and resources if you're going to go fishing for fish or for men. You know, uh, it, it says here in, in verse 4, we just read in verse 3, it says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Verse 4 says, for he wants everyone to be saved. Not just educated. It didn't say he wants everybody to be educated. It says he wants everybody to be saved. He didn't say he wants everybody to try to keep up with all kinds of religious rules. He said he wants everybody to be saved, you know. I mean, the folks on the Titanic didn't need education. They needed a Savior. They needed somebody to rescue them and save them. Is that right? And everybody on this planet needs a Savior. So it says in verse 4, He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only one God and one mediator. You understand a mediator? There's, you know, two different, you know, groups of people that are hostile toward each other. you got somebody in the middle trying to bring them together. <coughs> and it says here, <coughs> and there is only one God, one mediator, who can reconcile God and people. He is the man, Christ Jesus. There is no other. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. Nobody can get to heaven. Nobody, I don't care who says what, Nobody gets to heaven except through Jesus, our mediator, you know. Nobody. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, very powerful passage here, very enlightening. I'm going to read it to you out of the Message Bible. I like it this way. It says, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, it says, Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I'm free of all that, 
I have voluntarily become a servant to, what's that word? To any and all. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. In order to reach. Oh, wow, that's, that's way out there. Whoa. Oh, right. I, did I reach you? All right, fish on. All right. I wonder if I could reach the balcony. I'm not sure. Whoops. All right. I'm sorry about that, Grace. It's not a real worm, all right? Let's see. Whoa. Did I make it up there? Woo! All right. Now, see, Kirsten Murphy, who's going to be sharing this coming Thursday night. I'm sorry, guys. I'm tearing up my worm. Now, I'm not going to be able to use that one anymore. Oh, sorry. I'll make another batch. But see, I can reach out there way beyond my reach. I can reach out there. Kirsten Murphy was able to reach people with her medical education and, and do these absolutely phenomenal surgical procedures that change people's lives forever for the privilege of sharing Jesus Christ. That whole mercy ship is an awesome, fantastic, expensive piece of bait to make a difference in a culture of people who are absolutely desperate. He says here, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, to reach them. Verse 20 says, religious, non-religious, meticulously moralist or loose-living immoralist. Verse 22 says, the defeated, we can reach all these people, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but... I entered their world. If you're going to reach somebody, you've got to enter their world. You're not going to catch a fish sitting in front of a television. You've got to get in their world. You've got to get on the lake and the river, the streams. He says, but I entered their world, and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Did you hear that? I become a servant in every which way. It's not about me, it's about them. Let me read that verse 22 out of the New Living Translation. And he says, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Common ground, you know. Let's see, I need a volunteer. You know what, this young man on the front, I need a volunteer. Just hang on just a second. I, I got a reason for picking on this fellow here. First off, this is a, he just popped in this morning. This is Alan Cook. He was here as my assistant in the beginning of Faith Living Church. So this is, where are you at now, Alan? He's in New Hampshire, pastoring the church there. And I just found out this morning, he's a fly fisherman. So he has great anointing, I tell you. All right. But, see this right here? This is like our relationship with God in the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve. But because of sin, that's been broken. I want you to hold that just that way and point it toward me, okay? Now, what I want you to do, I want us to have restoration here. Could you put it back together? You've gotten weak since I saw you. Can you put it back on there? New Hampshire, eh? What's in that water up there? Okay, now hold on. Just hang on to it. We want restoration. This is between us and God. Uh, do a repentance. Turn it around. You see what happened? I went to Harbor Freight and bought these magnets for a couple of bucks. <laughs> but you know what? I share the gospel with them, and people understand that. I need to change my direction because I can't get to God no matter how hard I try my way. I've got to do it his way in repentance. Hey, thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Is this metal? Yep, that's metal. Lord, we hear a siren off in the distance. We don't know what's going on, but there's somebody in need, maybe somebody we know. 
We ask that you'd help those people who are in need and help those who are responding to meet those needs. And in both cases, we ask that you draw them closer to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, uh, see, where was it? First Corinthians 9. Let me read the last verse. We're going to read in there, verse 23. We just read where he says, I try to find common ground with everybody. You know, you become whatever. He says in verse 23, I did all this because of the message, the good news. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be, what's it say? In on it. I wanted to be in on the fishing. And Jesus says, follow me. And, and if you follow Jesus closely, you will be a fisher of men. If you're not a fisher of men, you're following him at a great distance, you see. Because he says, follow me, and I will make you become something you never were before. He says, he'll do it. He says, I'll make you become a fisher of men. It's like, this coming week, I hope to go fishing. And let's just say we get down there to the stream, and you're going, I don't know what to do, you know? And I, I set you up uh, a rod and a line, and I tell you what to do. So here, you know, and you're going out there, and you're catching that thing. All of a sudden, a fish. Oh, my, what is that? That's a fish, okay? Reel it in, you know, pull that line. And, and you're pulling it in, it's like, and you catch, say, a dozen fish that day. You, you know what you tell me before you leave that day? Can we do that again, you know? And, and you get better and better and better at fishing the more you do it. How many fish would agree with that? Absolutely, look at all his hands. And see, Jesus says, I will make you become. I will make you become. It's not natural, but I'll make you become a fisher of men. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Keep a clear mind in every situation, and don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work. What does that say? Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you. God has given each and every one of you the wonderful privilege of populating heaven. Did you know that you have been given this awesome, fantastic, amazing privilege of populating heaven? The good news is all it takes to share with someone, and they come to know Christ, and you've restored their relationship between a sinful person and God, and now their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you have been given the privilege of populating heaven to help God populate heaven. You know, there's a guy, I'm trying to remember what his name was, Christopher something or another, Christopher... No, older than that. Uh, Columbus, that's him. Christopher Columbus. You know, he discovered a new world. And he brought many to the new world. Do you know what I'm talking about? But you can do something more noble and greater than bringing somebody to an earthly new world. God has given you the privilege to populate heaven by your energies and your efforts and every day of your life. The Bible says be ready to give an answer to people who ask you about the hope that you have within you. He tells us not to, to, to have fear. He says, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And then he says, the fear, and don't be ashamed to tell other people about me. That's, that's what the fear was about, of evangelism, of sharing your faith, of fishing for men. Read First uh, Timothy uh, 2, 8. We, we read 7, but we forget to read verse 8. Anyhow, the clock of life is wound but once. Can you imagine when a baby is born, you know, God's winding their clock, okay? The clock of life is wound but once, and no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. To lose, one, to lose one's wealth is sad indeed, to lose one's health is more. To lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. What's the most important thing you have? It's your soul. 39 people just died while I read that short poem. 39 people died. Every hour, 5,417 people go to meet their maker. You know... A lot of people's time is running out. 
Will somebody reach them? Without Christ, they will not make it to heaven. As much as we'd like it. Without knowing Jesus Christ as their mediator, as their savior, they'll not make it to heaven. Without a lifeboat on the Titanic, those people drown. But without Christ, will not make it to heaven. 84 people every day commit suicide. Their hearts are broken. They have no reason to live. And some people are very wealthy who take their own lives. It's not because they don't have stuff. They're just empty. They're hollow. And they need a reason to live. Is it okay if I ask you a personal question? What are you doing to reach those people who take their life every day? What are you doing to reach those 5,417 5, people that die every hour? What are you personally doing to reach those people whose time is running out? Jesus said if you'll follow him, and if you follow him closely, he didn't say you'll speak in tongues and prophesy. He didn't say you'll raise the dead and you'll do this and this. He said if you follow me, I'll make you become what? A fisher of men. That's what's important. To, to bring men, women, boys, and girls into a relationship with Almighty God. That's why he put us here. And that's what we're supposed to do. We meet their needs like Jesus did. He fed the 5,000. He shared the gospel with them. He healed the sick and he shared the gospel. And what does gospel mean? Good news. Not bad news. It's just all about good news. And you remember, people really don't care what you know until they know that you care. And you care about them and you help them in their particular situation. If it's a bag of groceries or a gallon of gas in their car, whatever it might be, you go, well, that, to help that person is going to be expensive. How important is a soul? Think about that. Dr. Howard A. Kelly was in the habit of wearing a button. And all it did, all it had was a big question mark. That's all it was. This is a doctor, and he had this button, had a question mark. He bought them and gave them out by the hundreds. He used it as a springboard for a conversation about Christ. A stranger would ask, well, what does that question mark mean, Dr. Kelly? And he would reply, what is the greatest thing in the world? And they knew that he was a doctor, you know, so they would usually say, well, it's probably health. Or someone would say, well, the greatest thing in the world is money. No, this great scientist would reply, the biggest question in the world is, what do you think about Christ? And, and being a physician, they wanted to hear what he had to say, and then he'd proceed to share a few words about his Savior, the greatest of all physicians. Although he was very busy caring about the burdens of his patients, you know, in the hospital, he was busy, very busy just being a physician, but he never was too busy to speak to somebody about Christ. Psalms 51. Read the whole thing today if you can, but let's just pick up at verse 12. Psalms 51, verse 12. And he says, restore to me. David says, restore to me again the joy of education Restore to me again the joy of being financially secure. What? That's not what it says. I should find my glasses. He says, restore to me again the joy of your salvation. Remember when someone first got saved for the very first time. Remember what happened. The sky was bluer, the grass was greener. Ah, the flowers smelled more wonderful than it ever smelled before. He says, restore. The psalmist says that, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You know, if there was a young fellow. He was a street kid in the cities of New York, and he came to know Jesus in a personal way. And there at the altar with other people raising their hands, and they were praising God and rejoicing and all. He went, hot dog for Jesus! Hot dog for Jesus! Hot dog for Jesus! Now, how do you think Jesus felt about that? It's like, awesome. That was as pure as praise as you can get. Because he always was saying, hot dog, for any good thing that ever happened in his life. That was his vernacular. That was the way he spoke. That was joy expressing itself with the best words he had at that time. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. 
restoring to the men and women, boys and girls who hear this message, so we will begin to holler out, hot dog for Jesus. People go, what? <laughs> that opened up a door to talk, wasn't it? <laughs> Maybe you like tacos. Tacos for Jesus. Maybe that's better. I don't know. T-bones for Jesus. I don't care. But when you got joy restored, you are different when you're joyful, aren't you? When you're doing something you got passion for, and, and you're joyful, I mean, how many of you are really fishermen here? How many of you like catching fish? When you catch a fish, you're going, oh, got another fish on my line. Uh, you're going to get slimy, you know. Is that the way you are? What happens when you get a fish on? <laughs> Woo! Everybody in the community knows about it when I catch a fish. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then, verse 13, then I will teach your ways the good news to sinners and they will return to you. You remember my magnet? And they will return. You give me my joy and when I share the good news of other people, they will return to you, almighty God. But if you're out there going, let me tell you about Jesus. And you can become just like me. That don't work so good. If you got joy, the psalmist says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted unto you. That's what he tells us there. The Bible says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You, you remember Ruth and Boaz? You, you remember the redeemed being bought back? If you've been redeemed, you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb, the Bible says you're obligated to say so. That's what it tells us in his word. Fred Hawkins, a great soul winner, uh, he was saved at the age of 48. And wait, one day Hawkins was invited to a town in Missouri for a, a, a meeting to share what God had done in his life. And arriving early, he strolled near a bus station and he decided to make a little survey. And at the town's busiest corner, he asked people, how does a fella get to heaven? It would be a good survey. You could try anywhere you're at. Hey, how does a fella get to heaven from here? Well, he stopped 29 people, and only seven of them answered correctly. Most attended church regularly. And in the very spot that he was talking to these people how to get to heaven, you could see the steeples of five different churches. My question to you this morning, do you know how to get to heaven? Do you know how to tell somebody else if they ask you, hey, how do I get to heaven? It's really not complicated. It's not near as complex as getting a college degree. It's not as complicated as going through first grade, to be honest with you. And my question, not only do you know how to, but are you going to heaven? Let me read you a passage, and it really links into what we just celebrated, Easter and the resurrection. It's in Romans chapter 10, verse 8. And it says, the message is very close at hand. The message is, is, is close. It's, a, it's just a breath away. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips. Touch your lips. How, how many of y'all got lips? Just touch your lips a moment. Listen to what he says. The message is very close at hand. <clears throat> it is on your lips and in your heart. Would you, would you touch where your heart's at? He says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preached. And then he goes and explains it. He breaks it down in verse 9. He says, if you confess, there again, that's the lips. If you confess with your mouth, that, that, that's the lips. If you confess, if is a conditional word there, if you do or if you don't, there's consequences or, or benefits. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's number one. And number two, and believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's why we celebrated Easter, that resurrection power. If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now see, you can take that and use that same passage to help populate heaven because if somebody else believes, you know, that Jesus is Lord. Well, listen to verse 10. 
For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. By believing in your heart, you're made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. That's what it takes. And a lot of people believe, yeah, well, Jesus came, they celebrate Christmas, and they believe he died and rose from the dead, they celebrate the resurrection, but they've never confessed it. And when you sit down and you share the gospel, the good news of why he came, and how he was the mediator, you're fishing, you see. And, and, and you bring them in. You remember, the Bible says, he who wins souls as a fisher of men captures human lives for eternity. You're wise. Confess what you believe. You take somebody by the hands, say, I know you believe in Jesus, you know, after your conversation. And then you lead them in a confession. You lead them in a prayer. And he says in verse 10, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the Scriptures tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And then the last verse there, verse 13 says for, what's that next word? Every, what percentage is everyone? 100%. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. But a lot of people don't call because they don't know. It's never been explained to them in simple terms. Uh, no one ever took a magnet and, and showed it to them. I mean, I do a little card trick, a little coin trick, and, and I use my snake pictures, and, and I use anything that's available to share the good news that God loves you. He's not mad at you. And you got a choice to receive a pardon or punishment. And most people are wise enough to go, I want the pardon. If we'll share the good news with people, see, it's so important that we do it. The Bible says there's two ingredients there, confessing and believing. In John 1.12, it talks about to as many as believe and receive, and we receive by the confession, by the prayer. They, they have the right to become children of God by believing and receiving. It's that simple. But then we want to disciple people. We want to share with them and let them learn and get familiar with Jesus. And guess what will happen to them? They'll follow Jesus, and Jesus will make them become a fisher of men. Like, you know, Steve... Holder shared just a little while ago in that little testimony with a little simple track, you know, a little gospel track, a little comic book. He's telling people about Jesus. Steve has helped us in our vacation Bible adventures where we're, we reach what, the biggest number, what, 800 kids one year. He, he's been involved in those dramas, sharing the gospel, helping with all those things. Would that have happened if he hadn't had that little gospel track that his aunt gave him, you know? We make such a huge impact with a little effort. Did I show you? I showed you the, my little midges, right? And you go, that little old thing can't catch no fish. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you don't think so, but I know so. You mean that little bitty book, that little track, that little, you know, smile, and hey, God loves you? Well, I don't make no difference. Oh, yes, it does. When it is coming out of you with passion, passion for the souls of men, women, boys, and girls that you want them to know the Christ that you know. Oh. Well, our time is up. Let me tell you why God has given us power. It says in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what purpose? To be my witnesses. To be a fisher of men. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be a witness in Jerusalem. That's where you're at. Judea, you know, uh, Samaria, and then through the uttermost parts of the earth. He's empowered us to populate heaven. He's calling you right now. <laughs> Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you that living for you is a joyful thing, a thing that brings about peace and a transformation, a radical transformation in our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for and inviting us to follow you and learn how to fish for men, women, boys, and girls. Awaken us in the nights to pray for the people we'll meet during the day. 
Give us an idea. Give us creativity on how to share the gospel in a way that people can never forget it. Lord, we just renew our commitment to you this day. We reaffirm our faith in you who are awesome. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer. Of those of you who do know Christ, would you join me and reaffirm your faith? Give God your life again today and, and allow him to make you become a fisher of men. Maybe you're here today and you've never welcomed Christ into your life. You believe that he existed, but you never really received him. You never confessed it. Would you pray with us right now? A similar prayer that I prayed 40-some-odd oh, years ago when I invited Christ into my life and he brought a radical transformation. Would you join us as we pray? Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe that Jesus died in my place. He was my whipping boy. He took my punishment. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he is Lord. He's knocking at the door of my heart. And I throw open the doors. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I am sorry for my selfish ways, my sinful ways. But this day, I commit myself to becoming a fisher of men. I commit myself to working with God to populate heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay. <clears throat> when you leave in just a moment, do, do we have the ushers with the bucket? Is there coming up? When you leave in just a moment, if you prayed that, Simple prayer with me. If you'll stop at the Connections desk, we've got a gift bag for you. We've got a Bible. It's all free. There's a movie in there and a whole bunch of other little goodies that will inspire your faith. Please pick that up, take it with you. And if you're a guest, we have an awesome gift for all of our guests. I know you're a guest today. Just one of our ways of saying thank you for being here. We hope you come back. If you need prayer, there'll be people around the altar who would love to pray with you in a few moments. And uh, anybody not get a ticket yet? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. And anyhow, here is a ticket that someone dropped on the floor. So I'm going to leave that one here and see if I win the Cabela's card there. That one's yours? All right. Thank you for coming and getting it. All right. You're going to probably win it, you know. <clears throat> now let me see. Where did I put the uh, Cabela's card? There's one. Where's the other one go? Yeah, I, got, I need three. I only got two. What did I do with them? Did somebody get my Cabela's card while I was preaching? I'll figure that out. We got one more service. I'm sure I'll find it in that amount of time somewhere. Anyhow, okay. So $100. You know, one lady, we did this last week when we started the series, and she gave it away. She said, well, I don't need no fish and tackle. I'm going, they have clothes there also. Awesome clothes, you know. That's where I got my fishing shirt, you know. But they have other stuff as well. All right. Ready? Got your little... T-I-C-O. <clears throat> That's all I can see on that card. Oh, there we go. Seven, nine, four, five... One, five. There may be some people downstairs. Oh, that's you. Awesome. <clears throat> Congratulations. Thank you. you are, oh, hang on to that. Okay. Wait a minute, you hang on to that? Yes, because I'm going to put your name back in here. We're going to have another drawing for a spiritual tackle box. I got about six of them to give away here. Ugh. How many is that? Three, four, five, six. Whoops. That one got away. I'm reeling back in. All right. Okay, we'll do this real quick.
794417. Okay, come on up here. <clears throat> Your spiritual tackle box. Whoops, that force up. Thank you, sir. God bless you, man. Hey. All right, let me see. I won't, I won't put that one back in there. Okay. All right. Let's see. There's another one. This is a bunch of gospel tracks, and we got some other tracks that are coming. Uh, you remember one I was telling you about? You open the envelope and a butterfly flies out around the room? That's an awesome track. It really, it really does that, too. 794466. <clears throat> if it's somebody downstairs at the overflow, hit the floor, stomp so we know you're coming. Or I'm going to draw again. <clears throat> Somebody's pulling my leg there. 794466. Is that somebody? You hear them? You hear the pitter patter little feet coming up the stairs there? All right. While they're on their way, let me read another number. We can get ready for the next service. 794406. All right. Congratulations. All right. All right. The next one. Seven, nine, four, five, three, two. We got four more. All right. Congratulations. Just take either one you want. Okay. Seven, nine, four, five, three, nine. Seven, nine, four, five, three, nine. Because our time is getting away from us, I'm going to have to choose another number. <clears throat> if there's somebody here sleeping, elbow them and check their number for them, okay? All right. 794501. Coming from downstairs? All right! Can you catch it? Hey, God bless you, brother. All right, keep it as a souvenir. <laughs> Wait, what number did I just read? I got two in my hand. 794501, was that the one I just called? All right! <laughs> All right, you can keep it. All right, okay. One more. Was this the one? I'm not sure. Seven nine four five four zero. Is that you? All right. Hey, congratulations. Okay. Well, as as you leave, please remember, next weekend we're starting a new series called "What on Earth Am I Here For?" to run for seven weeks, and we really want you to get involved in a life group. If you'll talk to the folks at the Connections Desk, we'll get you plugged in. We'd like you to have life groups. We're going to cancel for seven weeks our midweek service on Thursday nights. We'd like you to get involved in a life group, host a life group. It's going to be life-changing, so I cannot encourage you enough. If you need some prayer, some folks around the altar would love to pray with you. Would you greet somebody on your way out, shake somebody's hand, get to know somebody you hadn't ever met, get reacquainted with somebody you haven't seen in a long time. God bless you. You are dismissed.